I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 336 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have an exciting guest to kick off the week. Tyler Hilton is an American singer, songwriter, and actor. You may remember him on the CW's hit TV series, One Tree Hill. He also starred as Elvis Presley in the Johnny Cash biopic, Walk the Line. Tyler is a talented musician who has dropped a number of albums, including his latest one titled City on Fire. He is married to the very beautiful and talented Megan Park, and the couple have recently welcomed their first child. I really love it when I have the opportunity to speak with new fathers, so Tyler Hilton will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you would like to watch the conversation between Tyler Hilton and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. Tomorrow on the podcast, Audie Attar stops by. Audie is an Iraqi-born American entrepreneur who is the founder and CEO of Paradigm Sport Management, which is quickly becoming one of the biggest names in the industry. He represents athletes such as Conor McGregor. It's going to be awesome to have him here on the podcast. Wednesday, NFL linebacker Brandon Copeland stops by. He played for the New York Jets last season, and this year he was signed to a big contract by the New England Patriots. He is a teacher of financial literacy at the University of Pennsylvania, so don't miss out on that. And Friday, we have got a fresh Frogman Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood, former Navy SEAL Team 6 operator and wingsuit base jumping phenomenon, Andy Stumpf, will be joining me right here on the podcast. So lock it in for that. And as always, please help me spread the word about this podcast to every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that celebrates fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with Tyler Hilton. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Today's episode of First Class Fatherhood is being sponsored by Ladder. Ladder was founded by LeBron James and Arnold Schwarzenegger to change the way supplements are made. They worked with top scientists to formulate a line of clean performance products. Unlike other supplements, every batch is tested by a third party to verify the highest standards for quality and safety. Now, they sent me their products, and I can tell you this. The packaging is first rate. The taste is delicious, especially the strawberry lemonade energy supplement. Also, I mixed one packet of the chocolate protein with a 12-ounce glass of milk, and it was banging. I would encourage everybody out there to try Ladder out for yourself. And right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners can score 30% off everything site-wide at ladder.sport. Use the promo code BETTEREVERYDAY. That's one word. Better every day, and you're going to save 30% off. The link is in today's show notes. Ladder.sport. Use the promo code Better Every Day. Save 30% off and unlock your best in every situation with Ladder. Joining me now, First Class Father, Tyler Hilton. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Man, thank you. That's weird to say hear you say the F word about me. It's all so new. It's crazy that I'm somebody's father. That's wild. Well, let's kick it off right there. How many kids do you have and how old are they? Oh, I just have my first daughter. She's uh, uh, three months old. I think she's 15 weeks and was just born at the end of December. And, um, you know, we're just kind of like figuring it out day by day still. It's been great, you know. Uh, and luckily for us, this whole quarantine thing worked out because I put out a record last January, toured all year to promote it. And I asked my wife, I was like, you want me to be home during the pregnancy? I'd love to be there, take care of you, all this stuff. 
And she was like, no, honestly, I can't work. So get out there and like work your ass off so we can take some time off when the baby comes. So I just toured all last year and we were kind of ready starting January. Let's just take off and be with the kid. So this quarantine thing hasn't hit us too hard. Um, but God, I just keep thinking about how lucky I was and how it just missed me. You know, if this had been last year and I wasn't able to put out the record or tour, you know, or, or whatever, you know, just the timing worked out great, but I, you know, as a close one. So it's been nice for us. Yeah. Very cool. Did you guys uh, know what you were having or did you do some kind of gender reveal to figure it out beforehand? No, we just didn't know till it came out. Wow. Literally when she came out, my wife wanted to keep it a surprise and, so, uh, and I would have gone, I probably would have found out. I didn't, you know, just cause I would have been too curious if it was up to me, but I didn't really care. And she really wanted to wait. So, and I'm so glad we did. It was so exciting, but man, by the time the baby came out, I'd been so nervous during the labor about her and about all this stuff going down and just, you know, a kid in general coming out. I didn't even really think about the gender. The doctor was like, what is it, dad? And kept holding it up. And I was like, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't see anything. There's goo. And it looks like you just pulled the stomach out of my wife. It doesn't even look like a human being, you know? And they're like, it's a girl. And I was just, you know, just so crazy that I was just, honestly, you hear people say this and you're like, come on. But I was so happy that she was healthy. My wife was healthy. The baby came out, you know, it was just like, wow. Well, seeing it up close, you're like, this whole process is a miracle. It's amazing. Yeah, right on with that. Now, uh, you, you guys uh, planning on having any more, or that's going to hold off for a while? What's the You, you, you going to try to add a boy to the mix here sooner or later? Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure everyone can relate to this, but um, my spouse and I were, you know, totally different places before the baby came. You know, I was like, we got to have 10 kids. This is the vibe, you know, and my wife's like, well, let's start with one. Now that she's been born, my wife's like, we're having 10 kids. And I'm like, you know what? We got one. Let's try to do this really well. But we're definitely stoked to have more, which I didn't think we would be saying so soon, but we're really into it. Yeah. Awesome to hear that. If you could, Tyler, just take a minute here, please, to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, my name's, uh, Tyler Hilton and, um, I'm an actor and a singer. Uh, I've been, you know, a musician my whole life. My family uh, are all musicians um, and, uh, you know, grew up playing with, uh, uh, you know, Fleetwood Mac, George Harrison, my family did. They, they you know, played a lot with them and that whole scene. Um, and uh, I was just kind of lucky to start music really early on with them. They, um, you know, recorded my first album when I was 15. Um, and then I got discovered by these radio DJs in LA when I was like uh, 14 or 15. And um, been kind of just touring and playing music ever since I'm 36 now. Um, and then somewhere along the way, I got real lucky and, uh, you know, got cast as a bunch of musicians and movies and TV shows. And then that led to like, a, you know, an acting career, which truthfully on the side, I was always really into theater. I was always like a theater kid in school. I just thought it was going to be a hobby and not, you know, it felt like what my family did is we play music, not necessarily actors, but um, I loved being in plays and stuff. So um, when I was able to be in movies and TV shows, I just couldn't believe it. I felt like the luckiest dude in the world. So I keep doing it whenever I get the opportunity. Um, I do probably like a movie or a TV show, like at least every year in between touring. And, you know, it's like, there's no guarantee or security in it, but it has been, it's been great so far. And I feel really lucky. So in the meantime, I just keep putting out records and touring and stuff. So. Yeah, and you know what? You, you've been so busy with your career, with the music and the, and the acting. 
I know you're early into the game here yet, but so far, how has becoming a dad kind of changed your perspective on life? You know, it didn't change my perspective when she came out as much. I guess when I, we found out we were pregnant, I, I guess the thing is I was always so – I looked at fatherhood with so much, like, respect and so much, like, nervousness, and I've always in the back of my head been like, when I'm a dad, I'm going to do this. When I'm, it's kind of been the most important thing I knew I was going to do in my life. So I've kind of tripped out on it my entire life, and so, like, the moment it was going to happen was always going to be a huge deal for me. And kind of like a lot of other things in my life, when the moment actually happened, it was a lot less scary – or life-changing than I thought because I tripped out on it so much beforehand. So when we found out we were pregnant, I went hard into all the books. I was like, this is it. This is go time. You know, that's a green light. It's dad time, you know? And I, I just got really into it. And when, and I, the whole time I just kept thinking, how am I going to tour? You know, but I've always been thinking that in the back of my head, at some point I'm going to have a kid. How is this going to work this whole touring life and musician life with a kid? At some point I'm going to have a kid. How is being on set going to work? And talking to different actors or musicians, I knew on the road that had kids. I was always asking advice because I knew this was the end game to do this. Um, so when the kid came, there wasn't that big of a change. If anything, I'm surprised how relaxed I am. And I think it's just because I was thinking about it so much. But I loved reading all the books. I loved learning about what babies do, what infants do, all the nitty gritty about it. And now I'm just starting to hit this phase with her where I feel like in the beginning, it seems like, well, you probably know way better than I do. But in the beginning, it seems like a lot of infants are the same. As they start getting older, you start to get more, um, they become more individual, you know? So the books were really helpful those two, first two or three weeks. That was like hell week for me, you know? I don't know if you ever played football, but friggin' hell week was the worst in high school. They get you in shape in the summer. And then now we're just kind of taking our cues from her and it's been great. You know, she's sleeping really well. And it's, and the big thing I was thinking too, is what are my wife and I going to do with like Instagram with our fans? Are we going to tell them about the baby? What, you know, how are we going to square that? And we just kind of decided to keep it a secret the whole time she was pregnant, just in case, you know, I, I was just so nervous about the whole thing. And then we even waited a couple months after the baby was born till we posted about it. Um, and now it's just great. Like my fans are stoked about it. It's, it feels like a real cohesive situation, you know? It wasn't like one of those things where people are like, oh, he's a dad, that's a downer. Or I don't know, I don't, I don't know. There's all these things you kind of like freak out about, but everyone was super stoked, so it's cool. Yeah, that's very cool. What was that, uh, what was that first ride home from the hospital like? The first time you had to drive home with the, with the baby in the car, what was that like for you? Dude, it's almost <laughs> like my wife called you and told you to ask that question. I was so nervous to drive home from the hospital that I started to get like a little faint and lightheaded and I had to lay down on her hospital bed. She <laughs> was kind of up and about. And so my dad was there and he took a picture of me like drinking a juice box in the hospital room. Cause I was so nervous. I could barely stand. So they finally like helped me up and I'm like, okay, we're going to drive home from the meanwhile. I didn't give birth or anything. I'm just, my wife's up walking around. I'm just nervous about driving. I told my dad, I was like, can you please follow me all the way home just in case I get, you know, nervous and, feel like I need to pass out and pull over. Like I was that nervous. So my dad, you know, followed me all the way back to my house and the whole, you know, and I, we gave birth in LA. We live in the Valley. The hospital was in Beverly Hills. So I'm driving from Beverly Hills to the Valley in LA and LA traffic. And I'm just like, I don't think I've ever squeezed the handlebars so hard in my life. It was very nerve wracking, but we made it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that was probably the craziest ride of my life though, for sure. 
Yeah, and you know what? Uh, getting into what you do now for a career with your music career, there's a you know a lot of. I think uh, the way into the music industry has changed certainly a lot uh, over the years here, uh, especially the way that we consume music now is far different than it was when I was a kid. Uh, what kind? What, what kind of advice do you have for the parents out there that have kids that are interested in pursuing a career in music? Um, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 39. Okay, cool. Yeah, so. Yeah, so, like, we're around the same age. Yeah, so much stuff has changed from when I got into it in, like, 1999 or so until now. It's just, like, it feels like every five years or so, the music business gets this crazy music disruption or this business disruption, more so than any other industry, I think. You know, I was recording before when we were still recording to tape, you know, and before Pro Tools or any kind of computer stuff was a big deal. My first record was really expensive to make for that reason, you know. Um, it's just crazy. And then not to mention, I think my first record came out just when iTunes was coming out. So that was a huge, just like, well, the record companies didn't know what was going on. It was all so confusing for everybody. Anyway, whatever, Spotify, blah, 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 goes on and on. But, um, you know, I think it's never been easier to make music and put it out there. It's never been harder though, to make money at it. Um, and so I feel like if somebody wants to make music, I think you should put out as many songs as you can on SoundCloud. And if you want to throw them up on Spotify, you could do that by getting an account on this site called TuneCore. And they'll help there uh, for a little bit of dough. They'll put your music on iTunes and Spotify and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, making it is kind of like the, the harder part, putting it out. It's not that hard. Um, you know, you can get like logic or garage band and kind of make it at home, but I feel like it's important for people to just keep putting it out there and trying things. Um, because now I don't think you can be too precious with it. I don't think you wait and like wait for your 10 best songs and then put them out. I mean, maybe someone will disagree with me and I understand that too. And at some point that was the vibe, but now it's like, just put it out there, see what the audience reacts to. I can't tell you how many people, um, I know, and I relate to this too. You put out 10 songs and you think you know which one everyone's going to like and you don't. Um, they end up streaming a different one. So the point is just put it out there and see what people respond to, you know. Um, and yeah. even touring, you know, like it's changed now that we're in this quarantine vibe. Like I was going to start a couple tour dates next week. And um, my wife and I are figuring out before quarantine went down, like how we were going to manage that as I went and played some shows. I'm, instead of touring, I'm just going to do Instagram lives. Uh, I'm going to start them next week every friday night and um the other thing this whole thing's inspired me to do is i really want to do a kid's record i've been wanting to do one for a while now even before we had a daughter and i'm going to start doing um children's sing-alongs for 30 minutes every sunday now on my instagram account too because a lot of my fans have kids too so it's just interesting like the kid and the quarantine has kind of changed everything but you know you can keep streaming and keep putting out music you know yeah, very cool. And on that, uh, what does your bedtime routine look like so far with your daughter? Do you sing uh, uh, like you're a lullaby guy when you're putting her down to sleep? How has the bedtime routine kind of worked out so far? No, not yet. You know, I tried it, of course. I had this, like, these, you know, images of me singing to her every night and all this stuff. And, of course, reality is so much messier. It involves <laughs> a lot more throw up and poop and just, like, you know – uh, you know, before we had the kid, too, my wife and I were reading all these books, and we're like, okay, we're definitely going to be the kind of parent right from day one. You know, you cry it out. You put yourself to sleep. You got to become independent as soon as you do it. No shaking them until they go to bed. They just learn how to, now I'm on the ball every night. I'm doing the whole thing. I like anything to get her to sleep. Um, but uh, yeah, our bedtime routine now is pretty much just, you know, feeding her and 
praying to God that she goes down soon. And she's been good about it. So, Yeah, very cool. And uh, are, you, are you able to help at all with the feeding? Is your wife doing the breastfeeding or are you guys doing the formula? Let's face it, Daz, with everything going on right now, we're all looking for new ways to get awesome gear without having to set foot in a store. And today's episode is being brought to you by Bespoke Post. Bespoke Post has the solution for this exact issue. They are a subscription-based service where you receive a themed box of awesome every month with total control over your subscription. So many unique items to choose from. They recently sent me their refresh box with shampoo, conditioner, hair styling, paste, face cleanser, and so much more. It really added a touch of class to my morning routine. Each box is packed with over $75 worth of gear, but only costs you $45. And as a bonus, First Class Fatherhood listeners are getting 20% off their first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com. Enter the promo code FATHERHOOD20 at the checkout. That's boxofawesome.com. The link is in the show notes. Boxofawesome.com. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD20 for 20% off your first box of awesome. Are you are you able to help at all with the feeding? Is your wife doing the breastfeeding, or are you guys doing the formula? Yeah, she's doing the breastfeeding, and you know I, I keep saying like, hey, if you want to throw the formula in there, like I'm, you know, just do what you can. We have a lot of friends that kind of like had a lot of pressure put on them to do breastfeeding vibe from their mothers or whatever, and it seems really sad and really tough, and a lot of pressure on girls. I didn't realize how tough uh, breastfeeding is until um, I watched the first couple of weeks go down, but she has been a trooper and it now we're full on breastfeeding. Um, but we got the formula just in case, you know, things go dry, but we're, it's been good so far. Yeah. It's always cheaper when you can get them to drink from the tap, you know, but uh, it's definitely yes. one of those things where it definitely weighs on women, especially if they, if it, they, the kid doesn't latch on right. And they're having trouble with the, with the milk coming in. It's like, it makes them feel like they're doing something wrong. So I think that's where it creates that, and there is so much pressure for the breast. I mean, it is uh, the best way to do it, but I mean, it's uh, it, it's there. There's a lot of pressure on them to come through with that. So I know that can get tricky, especially with the first child. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know, yeah. And, and we didn't know, like I said, the first child's so crazy because you don't know, especially for girls, because you don't know at all how your body's going to react. Was it different for your wife? Like after the first one, did she kind of react the same for the next three physically? Uh, each one, she went, uh, deeper and deeper as far as like breastfeeding and stuff like that. And even cause my wife had C-sections for all four of our kids. Uh, they were all high risk pregnancies and everything. So, um, but each one, she went, uh, you know, a, a little bit deeper, like with our first one, maybe three months breastfeeding the next one, like eight months breastfeeding. And then like, it just kept getting a little bit more and more each time, you know? Oh, so, wow. uh, and plus each child was totally different in the way that they would go about. We had one kid that would just fall asleep when he was, you know, the minute he started eating. One kid was like a barracuda where he was just like attacking, you know what I mean? So it's like everyone has their own little style of, of how they do it. So each kid is different. So it's you got to treat them all individually. So, um, you know, you got to find, find get into a groove that works. That's all. And then we were doing, you know, the pumping and then storing. And that's where I was able to help out, especially during the night. I mean, I, listen, my, my first kid, I had no idea either. I was trying to like while my wife was sleeping, trying to stick my kid's head on the breast and try to you know, get it feeding it. It didn't work out. Like, you know, so you learn these things as you go along. Yeah, no, we were trying to be like tag team right from the beginning. So every time the baby woke up in the middle of the night, we would both get up and she would usually feed and I'd do the diaper change and we put it down. And we try to get the, the system going, but we're, uh, we're, that, that's cool to hear. That's really cool to hear actually. 
Yeah, it's definitely a, you know, an on-the-job training. It's something that, even like you said, you've driven a car a thousand times in your life, uh, and then the minute that you're going to do it, all of a sudden it has this different tone to it. So everything, I think that's what happens through a lot of things. We start, you know, putting others ahead of ourselves automatically once we become a dad. So it definitely changes yeah. that dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, too, because I was thinking that uh, there's been this whole, like, expansion of selfless love with her. You know, I, I, I really, like... I thought I was going to be more like, oh, I just want to like kiss you all the time. I just want to like, I mean, which I do probably more than I should. I feel like she gets a little annoyed at me, but you know, I, I find myself so much wanting to be, uh, wanting her to be happy or wanting her to be, you know what I mean? Like I, I have this weird instinct all of a sudden to be like, I don't want to dress you up in crazy clothes and make you take all these like pictures or, you know, when you get a little older, like gel your hair and put your hair in pony. I don't know. I just feel like I just want you to be like happy and relaxed. You know, it's just the weirdest thing. It's such a selfless love. Um, I really don't want to make her like an extension of me. Um, I've, I've seen people do it and I feel like for her, I think it would just be great to like make it about like where her vibe is at, I guess. I don't know, which I didn't expect to feel that way. Yeah. And you know, I, I bring a ton of military guys on the podcast here and it's like one of the things they have kind of built into them, the military men and women, they have that service before self type of mentality uh, built into them as they go through the training and stuff like that. But the first time I think as a civilian, as a, as a guy that you get that um, much more so than when you get married is, is when you have your first kid, you get that actual realization of putting somebody else's needs uh, really ahead of yours. It did for me anyway, for the first time in my life where I felt that, wow. that, that type of feeling, you know, dude, that is really, really cool. Uh, I didn't realize that. That's amazing. I could totally see that with military folks. And it's a cool for my wife and I, she's an actress and I'm a musician and we try to be conscious of it, but everything is about us. You know, like the product we're selling is us. What we talk about on the phone is like us to our team or whatever, you know, it's all about like, and so it's nice to have these things where you can kind of get out of it, you know, really cool. That's amazing. Yeah. And you know what, you, you've had so much success here. What, what type of uh, or plans or goals do you have here for yourself for the future? This kid's record, I'm really stoked about. I mean, I'm making another Tyler record uh, right now. Um, I've also been working a lot with uh, Billy Ray Cyrus. We've been producing and writing his new record with a friend of mine. Um, and he's kind of an old friend of ours. So that's a little bit on hold now that we've all had to go into lockdown. Um, but the kid's record and the Tyler record, I'm going to keep working on right here in the RV. What I do is I record my parts here with my microphone set up. I got these two mics here. And then I email the tracks to uh, the guy who my producing partner in LA and he kind of like fits it all together. So I'm going to keep trying to move forward on that. Um, and uh, that's, you know, just take it a day at a time. Really try to get these live stream things going online, try to get a regular hang so I can keep playing live music for the fans. Um, but this is just, you know, it's scary this whole thing, but a little bit exciting because it's, I kind of get excited when I have to like scrap everything and rework a whole different system. So I don't know. We'll figure it out, you know? Yeah. I, I think uh, it's making a lot of us reevaluate the way we, we go about our daily life. And we, that certainly uh, we figured out what's more important in, in life. I think a lot of people have come to that realization. Like we come back down to, and, and hopefully it's bringing a lot of more families uh, closer together, uh, you know, during this time. That's, that would be my hope for that while we're going oh, through man. this. I hope so too. You know, I want to say too, before we get any farther, or, you know, in case we're about to end or whatever, but dude, I heard your episode about sobriety and I want to tell you it, how much that meant to me. I've been sober for five years, maybe six years now. And it was by far the hardest thing I've ever done. It sounded like it was so hard for you when you, uh, 
did that seven month podcast you did, it was, uh, you know, I haven't, anytime I get to talk to someone that's sober or going through it, it helps me a lot. That's why those meetings always help, but you know, I haven't done meetings in so long. So just hearing that was such a boost for me. I just can't even tell you. And I know they, t- they tell you that in meetings and you hear people say, oh, when you share your story, it helps others. It never seems like that would be the case if I were to tell people my story. But hearing yours, there again, it like just helped me so much. It really did. So thank you for being so um, vulnerable and saying so many things that could potentially be embarrassing or shameful. We all have that shit, you know? So just you saying that was like, whoa, just heavy, very cool. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for that. And you know what? I, I'm at a place right now where I'm no longer in a fight with alcohol anymore. Like I, I used to always battle with it, and especially now we have this quarantine. And one of the number one top sellers right now across the country or the world is liquor, you know, where everyone's stocking up on the liquor. And it's like it's not even a, a thing that phases me anymore. And it's, uh, yeah, uh, uh, the, my, my fight, uh, you know, my, my whole uh, dealing with alcohol, it's just every, everything negative that's ever happened in my life has been a direct result of alcohol or drugs. And it's just been, uh, it took me a long time to learn these lessons and I had to learn them the hard way, but, uh, it definitely, um, uh, a lot better, uh, for it, you know? So Dude, good for you. And I know like a lot of people don't understand cause a lot of people are just like, I don't understand. Just don't drink. Like what's so hard. It's like, this is like the quarantine, just stay home. What's the big deal. But unless you know how big of a deal it is and unless you know what happens to your mind when it starts like, you don't know how hard it is. I, I describe it as like being thirsty or hungry or having to pee. You know, that's a sensation that's like in your body. And when you're hungry, you're hungry. You know, when you have to pee, you have to pee. And like when you have to drink or when you, you have to do it, you know, it's really counterintuitive to like breathe underwater. That's what it feels like to me. It's like open your mouth and breathe. You're underwater. Like that's how uh, counterintuitive felt like to me to say like, no, I'm not going to drink right now or whatever. And, um, just it's just crazy and i've related to you when you're talking about all those commercials and stuff you saw on tv like it is really a bummer you don't realize how much of a i don't want to be whatever but how much potential problem a lot of people might be hiding or might have until you get out of it and realize how little you need it and how much everyone reaches for people that will never think they have a problem but how socially acceptable it is it's crazy yeah it's definitely an illusion you know uh, what it is and you know what i drive a lot of uber well not now during the quarantine but uh, my side gig is driving uber on the weekends and i always see it's either people that are drunk going to get drunk or talking about how they got drunk. And that's all I drive. And every mile I drive of Uber, it drives me farther away from ever going back to another drink. Cause I get the chance to see it uh, yeah. from the outside looking at it and saying, wow, that was me. You know what I mean? I was this person too. So I don't look down on it. I just, I, I recall who I was when I was going through it. And, I, and it's not the person that uh, I, you know, I'm glad I don't associate with my, with that person anymore, you know? So it's eye opening to see it and, and the devastating effects it has at 2 a.m. when the bars are getting out. so. Um, and you know what? I mean, your kids are so lucky that you nipped it in the bud uh, when they were young and, you know, you went through it now. I mean, if they could have – I don't know. They could have been the way they remembered you and they could have gone all through their childhood. And, you, you know, just the fact that you did it is is so impressive. I just I can't tell you how impressive that is. And it was cool for me to hear too. It gets, it gets easier. Same thing with me. It gets easier. But every once in a while, you just, like, have that moment where you're like, I'm probably fine. You know what I mean? I'm probably fine. Why don't I just like dip into it? That thought though has scared me so much. I've never gone back. Cause I just know it's my favorite thing in the entire world. It was my absolute favorite thing. I have my favorite feeling, my favorite thing to do. I love the taste. I just loved it, you know, and I could never go back, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I lied to myself that way too. And I, I was sober for almost three years and then slid back into it because I kept telling myself I was okay. I could either just just drink beer or just drink this or just drink on the weekend. I, I, I kept lying to myself oh, yeah. to try to play with it, you know, and then 
I, I slid back into it. My best friend killed himself, and that slid me back into it. I figured I'll, I'll use it and lean on it just to get through the week of the eulogy and getting through that moment. And, uh, you know, and, I, and then it took me forever to get back out of it. So it was like uh, it, well, once I stopped lying to myself, it made it a lot easier too. Yeah, that's what I thought, too, is I was getting tired of doing the math, too. It felt like every day I was like, okay, I told myself only 14 or maybe 21 drinks a week. Okay, that's an average of three a night. Okay, I had six yesterday. Okay, you know, I was just, like, always doing math in my head. It's just so nice to, like, just make it not an option, you know. Anyway. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and you know what, to to wrap this up, uh, you know, it's interesting to hear your answer here because, you you know, you're, uh, you know, just brand new into the game here. But the last thing I want to ask you, I'd love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, uh, what type of advice do you have for the new dad or for the about to be dad who's out there listening? Uh, I think, you know, if you can create some time and space mentally and in your schedule to really just be open to whatever's about to happen, um, that would help. Um, my wife and I, probably the thing I'm most appreciative of uh, is that we both had time. We didn't have to work and I could be there to help her. Um, it's going to be weird and you're not going to get a lot of sleep and yada 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 but if you can at least both be committed to being there and helping each other out it's going to help the other thing i'd really recommend is if you can go ahead and grab an in-law or someone to just be around that would be that would that's really helpful my mother-in-law was there for a couple months uh and then she had to go back to canada because of the whole quarantine and for a few weeks there we were by ourselves and it was oh it was tougher but um you know, uh, if you can, like, read some stuff about, like, the way babies, you know, behave and what kind of sleep they need and what kind of feed they need. You know, it helps kind of divvy up the day into little three-hour um, cycles, you know, which helps you, like, get through. That helped me a lot. But, um, yeah, that, that'd be the main thing. Yeah, good stuff. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. I got to say, Tyler Hilton, you're a first-class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Appreciate it. What a cool podcast, dude. I pre- thanks for having me on. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Tyler Hilton for giving me a few minutes of his time. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Lock it in. Got a lot more action coming your way this week. Wednesday on the podcast, NFL linebacker Brandon Copeland, who is also a financial literacy teacher at the University of Penn. It is financial literacy month, so it just happens to line up with that. And uh, it's very interesting to hear his take on what we should know about financial literacy. So that's going to be an exciting one. And Friday, I got a fresh Frogman Friday edition coming with you. Uh, Former Navy SEAL Team 6 operator Andy Stumpf, who just has some lights-out video content on YouTube of him uh, jumping out of planes, base jumping, wingsuit jumping. Uh, The guy is just a stud. It was such an honor to speak with him. So don't miss out on that one coming Friday. And as always, guys, uh, please stay safe out there, stay healthy, and stay tuned. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.